We solemnly swear we're up to no good. Hi, I'm Gary Roby. I am Victoria Laguna. And we're the hosts of Harry Potter Minute, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. Join us as we argue about whether or not McGonagall would meow at Dumbledore. She wouldn't. As we ponder just how much Harry's fortune is worth. Just $40. As we guess how much mileage one gets out of an Ollivander wand. 100,000 jinxes. As we detail the ins and outs of Hogwarts Castle. He's only a model. Join us Monday through Friday, only from DuelingGenre.com. Mischief Managed. Dueling Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring one scary rubber mask minute at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. <laughs> I'm Norman Mitchell. And today we'll be talking about Minute 108, which starts with uh, Frodo continuing to admire Sting and ends with Bilbo cowering in fear, shame. Like himself. Self-loathing. Yeah. So, uh, real quick before we really dig into this minute, uh, we just want to talk about real quick that we did a little more digging about yeah, Aragorn's mom. Literally, as soon as I stopped recording, I was like, oh, that's when she died. So, so she was 100 years old when she yeah, died. Yeah, she lived to be 100. She dies in... Um, With her people in Aragorn. 30, 3007. Yeah. Uh, which is in that span of time between Bilbo leaving the Shire and Frodo... Leaving the Shire. Leaving the Shire. So in that 17-year gap, basically. Yes. Which isn't present in the movie. So, so we can we can probably assume that she died earlier than that in movie universe. Right. Uh, uh, and that she died in Rivendell. And in the book. Right, right. In the, in the book's timeline, her, she died. Leaves her people. Yeah. She goes and is with her, her people in Eriador somewhere. Something that I think is interesting, um, we're... We're on uh, TolkienGateway.net, which is a really cool resource. Uh, yes. She basically leaves Aragorn pretty much when he's like 23. She leaves. Um, so that's after he knows who he is. Yeah. And he's pretty much raised. Like he's, you know, an adult. And so she kind of goes... To live with the the Dunedain, and she, I guess she opposed uh, Aragorn's wanting to marry Arwen, believing that her blood was more noble than his, and I mean, that elves and mortals should not marry. She's not wrong. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yes, she was she against. Is... She was against interracial marriage. Man, man, when you put it that way, like. That sucks. I mean, that's that's what it is. No, she, I, she thought that elves and, and mortals should not marry. But without that, she wouldn't have been gifted with, like, long life as one of the Dunedain. Right, right. So, I mean, that's that's some hypocrisy. Because the Dunedain are long-lived because they have... Elven blood. The, the blood of Numenor, which has some elven blood in it. Right. So, you know, there's <laughs> that. I don't... I don't know. I also think it's interesting that apparently it was customary for the Dunedain to hide the heir of um, Isildur in 
in Ladders, like in Rivendell, to live with the elves. Yeah. And that was not just an extenuating circumstance. That was like the custom. Yeah. To bring your, to bring your, all right. So you're, you're one of. So Elrond is line. like, like a daycare. I think, yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> He's raised all of his nephews. <laughs> Every single one of them. Like, can you imagine just going to Rivendell, not knowing that there's all these like human kids running around? Like. One. Because, one well, no, kid. because he says he is the last of that bloodline. So that in that kind of. Uh, any multiple births along the line, he would have raised them together. Right. Or um, cousins. Uh, just anyone who has the blood of Isildur, like yeah. I imagine early on. Well, we also um, the line of ascension in in Middle Earth. Do you have to be a direct bloodline? Will the with the son of a cousin matter? I would. Say... Would that matter to the people of Gondor? Maybe not. That's why Denethor can't be king. That's why the stewards aren't king. Right, but because the they're related to the king. There's the stewards aren't. I don't think they would have. I think, because you know how you have, like, one common ancestor, and then they have multiple kids? Yeah. So those kids of those kids still have that common ancestor. Right. You know, now we're talking about genealogy, but I guess Lord of the Rings right. is all about genealogy. Yeah, but, like, when you're talking about, like, a line of ascension, does it have to be a direct line? That's, like, what I'm getting at. But how would you determine the direct line if you have kids of kids? Like, is it patriarchal? Probably. So then, if any daughters along the way... But they still carry that bloodline. Right. But would they matter in, like, Gondor's line of ascension? That's what I'm getting at. Oh, so just, like, the boys and then the girls are just like, whatever? Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at, is, like, do the, do the daughters matter in the line of ascension for Gondor? I don't know. Like, or do they, do they only matter if they're the only child of the currently sitting king? You know? Inheritance laws and rules for monarchies are important. Right. And I'm I'm a little curious now as to like what Gondors are like. Because in a real world scenario, the stewards should have just become king. Yeah. They, you know, would have done a coup, but no one would have resisted because the, they're what's they're left the over of family. the family. Yeah, exactly. Basically. So like by all rights, the stewards should be the king. Right. Like if we're talking like a more real world scenario. Not this, like, steeped in myth and superstition, like, fantasy world. Right. Just waiting for the king to show up. Yeah. Like, it's a very, uh, it's very tropey. Well, I think... But this is sort of, in in some ways, kind of the beginning of that in modern fantasy. Well, if you take that into account, like, that's probably why Boromir gets so offended. Yeah, because he feels like his father should already be king. Right. Like, they are the ones who have been, like, they are the stewards of Gondor. Like, they are the ones who have been serving the people of Gondor, not this, like, people who live in the wild and hang out with elves and stuff, right. you know? <laughs> you don't know nothing of your people's strife. Right, exactly. You're so far removed. Yeah. And your ivory towers. <laughs> says me from my ivory tower. <laughs> my literal ivory literal tower. Literal ivory tower. Um, No, but I just think, like, if early on... Like, say Isildur, I don't know how many sons Isildur had. Say Isildur had, like, five sons. And each of those five sons have, like, two sons apiece. That's ten, like, ten heirs. heirs. yeah. So, at one point, Elrond probably had, like, a gaggle of children. <laughs> just running around, like, 
Elrond, Elrond daycare. Like, Unless really? it's like something up with the Isildur bloodline and they all only have one kid at a time for some reason. Yeah. Which is, Which, like, you know. Like cursed? Like. Or, well, so there's two ways to look at at that. So we're, we're like, we're, we're getting way off, off here, but we're still talking about like Aragorn's <laughs> like legacy. So there's two ways to look at this idea. Either the heirs of Isildur try to have a lot of kids and spread them out into different hiding places. That would make sense. Or they have one kid. And just rely on this one kid to grow up. Don't put your eggs in one, all because in one, one basket. Because one kid is easier to hide than five kids. Don't put... What? I mean, Rivendell has remained hidden for thousands of years. Yeah. That's probably why it was customary to drop your kids off in Elrond's lap for 30 years. Don't don't let them die. And yeah. Elrond's like, what do you take me for? <laughs> I'm the best healer here. <laughs> if anything happens to these kids, broken arm, that's fine. I got it. Is it bleeding? Don't cry. Like- Stabbed by a Morgul blade, they'll live. <laughs> I just, oh man, Elrond daycare fills me with glee. Just straight up, like, Hugo Weaving's eyebrows, kind of, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Yes. Like, <laughs> uh, that's the worst. That's the worst. And he just always looks at Aragorn so disappointed. Oh. It's just like, you were supposed to be the greatest. You're not. <laughs> what happened? I named you Hope, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, it wouldn't be Christ, it'd be Iluvatar, right? <laughs> yeah, for, for Iluvatar's sake, for Manwe's sake. It's just like down the chain, you know? So, let's, let's talk and here about... Here you are riding around like the son of Melkor. <laughs> oh my god. Colloquialisms. So, let's, let's talk about Frodo and Bilbo. So, here we see the mithril coat for the first time in the movie. Yeah. A little mithril, mithril shirt. Which is pretty. It is very pretty. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't sparkle as much as I always imagined when I read the books as a kid. It looks like but aluminum. But it would be tacky. It looks like aluminum tabs. Yeah, like a little the bit. Soda tabs. Yeah. <laughs> as I mean, hard as dragon scales. Uh, yes, aluminum would not be as hard as dragon scales, but aluminum is pretty light. So. Yeah. I mean, I, they, they don't mention what the mithril is made out of. Like what they what they made it with. I would assume, probably some sort of alloy. 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 <laughs> I don't recall them mentioning what the mithril shirt is made out of. It it could very well just be like metal sewn into a cloth shirt so that it stays very light. Oh, that's I'm true. not sure. But then you have the people making chainmail for 24 hours a day. Well, yeah. not 24 hours, but... <laughs> this is all day, every for day, just for like years. F- four years. Uh, yeah. But uh, what can, the, the most important thing in this scene is the scary face. God. Which so is scary. which is a rubber mask, or like a rubber like a rubber puppet head, not like a a, pup, a hand puppet head. Just rah, just, just, just to be like rah. <laughs> and uh, Billy Boyd says that he remembers see remember seeing it on set when it's being worked on before it was like finished mm-hmm. and like talking to people about it, being like, oh, this is only going to be on screen for like less than a second, maybe second and a half tops. Right. And he's just like, oh, they took months to build it. It took months to make this thing. Well, I keep going back to the tree in Bag End. Yeah. But we literally <laughs> see that... leaves on a tree. We see that tree for less than five seconds. Yeah. The amount of the amount of work that goes into it. Right. And then... That's dedication. Ian Holm loved this rubber puppet. That's so scary. He took pictures on set with it. And then at the end of filming, at the end of his time on the set, Weta made a bronze cast of this puppet head and gave it to him. Oh, my God. 
So he has a severed puppet head of himself sitting in his house somewhere. Yes. Can you imagine? Okay. Can you imagine? Like on a mantle. Walking into Sir Ian Holmes' house. And you, like, put your coat and you put your hat down and you're, you know, talking. And you turn to look into, like, I don't know, the sitting room or something. And on the mantelpiece is just this freaky little shrunken bronze head of your host. Like, that's horrifying. Yeah. The mere concept of that is so scary. Yeah. I mean, it is. Like, with its little teeth. Oh my god. And like really and the wide creepy eyes. eyes. Yeah. It is kind of funny, but it's just like funny in a really messed yeah, Ian, up Ian way. Yeah, Holm just thought it was hilarious. He just <laughs> thought it was the greatest thing, apparently. Oh my god, that's so Took scary. a bunch of pictures with it, had a great laugh. Oh man. I think, you know, I... That just tells me the guys that want to have a sense of humor, because they're just like, oh, he thought this was funny. I wonder if he'll think this is funny. Yeah. They, gave him, they gave him a little bronze bust of this rubber puppet head. Well, you have to have a sense of humor if you're tying leaves to trees for a year. Right. Like. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, I, I just straight up can't, like, just <laughs> walking into someone's house and seeing a bronze cast of their freaky little head on their mantelpiece. Like. <laughs> of this, like, alternate reality evil version of their yeah. face. Yeah. Yeah. That's so scary. It is. It's really scary. I mean, I don't like dolls, so the yeah, me just, the mere concept of this creepy rubber puppet, like the masks themselves, are scary. Like the oh, the 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 scale double the scale masks, double masks with the robotic blinking with eyes, with the lifeless like face, like <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And Ian Holm got to get to join in that with this rubber puppet head, right? Oh man. God, that's so scary. Just walking into your trailer after filming for 15 hours, you turn on the light and there's just this puppet head sitting on your table. I would scream. I would straight up scream and run out of the trailer. (laughs) Oh, man. That is nightmare fuel. Oh, man. I don't even like looking at the creepy face for like however long you see it, like a second and a half. Just. Oh, and uh. Richard Taylor talks about how they, when they were doing uh, screenings of the movie and after this point, uh, people in theaters that had never like read Lord of the Rings and stuff like that were on the edges of their seats every time the ring was on screen after this because they were somewhat expecting other characters to react the same way to the presence <laughs> of the ring. <laughs> Which is something awesome. you don't really think about, but That's amazing. I can totally understand that. That's so funny. And then they get to the second movie and see Gollum, and they're like, oh. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. I like, like that. Like the uh, unintentional effects of uh, shots in movies. Yeah. Little scenes. Like, people are just, like, ready to be scared every time the ring comes on the screen. Because, and when you really think about that, like, there's been no less than two jump scares involving the ring already. Right. And now this is, like, a third or a fourth. <laughs> so... I guess it builds up the tension and the psychological horror of, of the like ring. the ring, yeah, yeah, which is cool. Yeah, that sort of thing is important. And this is this is really like prior to the the ring grab. This is kind of a of a touching moment between these two. Mm-hmm. There's not enough Bilbo Frodo in this movie, even in the extended cut. I think that what they what they had to work with and the time constraint they had, they do a pretty good job of hammering home like the relationship between these two. Right, but I just. I just feel like there's not enough because Bilbo 
and Frodo, like uh, Elijah and Ian work so well together. Oh, they have such good chemistry. Yeah. It works so well. And I just wish that there was more. They have such a, like a camaraderie and respect for each other that really, I don't know, this scene as short as it is, like they're, I don't know, they just work so well together. Yeah. Like, cause Ian Holm has such respect for such a young up and coming actor, like mm-hmm. taking on such a major role. And Elijah Wood, like being an actor, has the utmost respect for right. Ian Holm. Like you're in the same room acting with Ian Holm. Like and, and Ian McKellen. Right. And Christopher Lee is here. <laughs> right. Like oh, man, man, all these like all the like young, like first big production actors on this movie, like Orlando Bloom and Elijah Wood, mm-hmm. like how blown away must they have been when they got off the plane and like really realized who they were working with? I know. Can you imagine like they're just like, it, it wasn't real, probably, until they, like, filmed a scene with these guys. Yeah. Like, working with, like, John Rhys-Davies. So cool. Like, especially, uh, also for, like, Liv Tyler. Like, I don't think she's, like, these are the biggest names that she worked with at this point, too, I'm pretty sure. I'm not as familiar with Liv Tyler's uh, filmog- filmography. Yeah. Um, but we're going to change that soon. We are going to change that. Uh talking about movies that people are in let's um this minute we get a really good glimpse of sting too yes um i really like the 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 runes and the engraving and the like there's i like that there's no straight lines with the elves no everything's Everything's curved curved and reflecting because there's no straight lines in nature right uh and i like that everything is organic and curved and really beautiful and sting is so pretty yes sting is very pretty it is a very pretty handle and pretty hilt yeah i just really i've always really liked the the runes um in the the swoosh the, the blade yeah the swoosh it's not like nike or anything but <laughs> it's like a it's like a vine like yeah. a really wide root or a vine going across the blade and mm-hmm. then the the elvish is just etched into it. Yeah. And that's the, the same elvish engraving that's described like in the book that they put on Sting. That's really cool. So and Mark Ordesky doesn't remember what it says. Meh. Uh, nor do I, and I haven't dug for it. So That would be in The Hobbit? It should be in The Hobbit, yeah. Okay. Or maybe in some of the, the extra material. Oh, that's true. Like, you know. This is a knife. This is my knife. That's probably what it says, you know. Because <laughs> to an elf, that's a knife. <laughs> well, I don't think it's a... Because it's not... It's not like a knife in the sense of like a utility knife. No. It's, it's a fighting dagger. Yeah. Um, but... Which to like... Longer. Which to like the trolls that had it is like a toothpick. Right. That's true. It's, you know, it's somewhat... It's really... It's always been fascinating to me that these three random kind of dumb mountain trolls had these three, like, cool elvish swords, swords right? just hanging out. <laughs> Who were carrying these that couldn't kill the trolls it's with like, them? It's like <laughs> your DM just does Random the, treasure generator. Yeah, random treasure generator. It's like, oh, there's a Vorpal sword here. Right. <laughs> uh, and, oh, you're a halfling? Um, so there's a Vorpal knife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, this is, really, this is a really cool dagger. Yeah. That's for you. Yeah. That sort of thing. <laughs> so there's a, a plus three wounding dagger or some crap. <laughs> you know, just some like 
this doesn't really make sense, but it's, it's on the table. Work. Here you go. It's masterwork and magic. So. Yeah. <laughs> Plus one. <laughs> yeah. You know? Plus one vorpal jet. Has someone statted out Sting and Glamdring? Uh, well, you know, there is a Lord of the Rings RPG. Oh, that's true. That does exist. Is that a D twenty system? Uh no, it's not. The not Weird. the one that I've not the one that I've looked at. The one that I've looked at is uh I think it's you roll two D six for most things, but it works kinda like a D twenty system. Like GURPS? Well, that's like three D six. Oh. Uh, but I think that I think that's two d six for this weird Lord of the Rings system I've read. Huh. Uh, I read it. Uh, it was a long time ago that I remember looking at it and thinking that uh, this seems weird. This doesn't look like a great well, system. Like if Gandalf is a level six wizard, supposedly. Right. That's the the whole idea. Like, what would the stats for like Orcrist or Glamdring or Sting be? Well, they would be like at most like plus two weapons if you're going by that that's idea. Sad. Oh well. Yeah. Whatever. DM discretion. Just DM. make them OP. Like, yeah, that's right. Anyway. That's right. <laughs> so we're from the website, duelinggenre.com. You can check out our other Minute podcasts on that site, such as Back to the Future Minute and Harry Potter Minute, both of which are going strong. And uh, special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Leaper182. Everyone have a good Wednesday, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Bye. Bye.